One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hola, ¿qué pasa, campeones? My name is Diego, and it is a pleasure to welcome you guys to this special edition of your weekly La Liga Lowdown podcast. Um, now, I say special, and it's special for many reasons. Uh, to start, because, as you'll probably have noticed, our regular host, David Garrido, at this hours is either nursing a serious hangover or still going strong in the after hours of a uh, wedding party. Uh, and... Keep in mind that we are recording this on a Monday morning. So, David, if and when you receive this message, Godspeed, amigo. Godspeed and a safe return. We wish you this from the entire La Liga Lowdown squadra. Um, and, of course, special. The second reason that is special is because Football Club Barcelona, mi querido club, my uh, dear club, was proclaimed La Liga champions last night. So because of all those reasons, we decided to host this special podcast between uh, myself and a few of the other La Liga Lowdown members. So I'm incredibly thrilled to be joined by Alex Johnson. What's going on, Alex? It's all fine over here. Rainy as always in Oviedo. Rainy as always. Oh, my days. Rainy in, in Oviedo. And you admit you and McTeer over in Madrid, not rainy in Madrid, I imagine. Right, Ewan? Uh, not really, and uh, no hangovers in Madrid because there wasn't much celebrating uh, last night. It was completely silent. We have plenty this weekend, a long holiday weekend. There's been loads of partying, but as soon as final whistle went in the VSR, all I could hear was the sound of silence. Uh, sound of silence, but surely not for long, seeing uh, as there is Champions League football over in the Bernabeu later this week. But uh, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head there, Ewan. Um, hangovers in Barcelona for sure. Uh, I can speak only for myself at the moment. No hangover for me, but that probably has more to do with the fact that I am a family man. And uh, yeah, winning seven ligas in 10 years starts kind of getting repetitive, uh, not <laughs> to say old, but uh, it was a more mm, subdued celebration. That's for sure. That's for sure. But uh, nonetheless, Barca won La Liga last night, uh, deservedly so. As I mentioned, seven in 10 years. With that as well, the Copa del Rey, six in the last 10 years. El, el octavo doblete, the eighth doblete in the club's history. 
Um, and I, after, you know, when I switched off the TV last night and I started to reflect a little bit on the season, uh, the fact that this was Valverde's first La Liga, uh, when I started to reflect just how the season started, as you guys will remember in August, uh, after the Supercopa, when everything was dark and gloom and, and, and it was on paper, it was going to be an awful season for Barca and, uh, one of the greatest seasons for Real Madrid, um, I just started to think, well, you know, what, what's been the main factor behind this season? As, as, is it, can we call it La Liga de Messi? Is it Messi's Liga? Is it Valverde's Liga? Uh, is Barca winning this league with, you know, three games to spare because of the overconfidence of, of Real Madrid, who had a very poor start? Um, and, and, and me, for me personally, I think it's a, it's a mixture, obviously, of, of several factors. It's, I think Messi has been at a, an incredible level playing the season, you know, the stars out of the heavens. I think as well Valverde deserves a lot of cre uh, credit for being, you know, tactically savvy and, and adapting the system to a 4-4-2, a pragmatic 4-4-2 style that is obviously not the liking of, of many culés. Um, and, and, and for me, a standout as well was, was Ter Stegen, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But what, what about you guys? What, what do you, uh, Alex, I'll start with you. What do you, uh, where do you give credit to this Barca team for winning, uh, this La Liga title fairly easy, you could say? I think, as you say, it's a mix of, of many things, but, but one thing that I think is a key is that Valverde is Valverde and the way he approached the season, because as you say, this might not be the style most Barca fans want to see Barcelona play, but it's the style that they can do the best with, with the players they have. Because they don't anymore really have that main squad that could play that football that Barcelona used to play. Mm. So they kind of had to change how they play in order to, to take over and, and, and win in the way that win the league again. And I think that's been a little bit of the problem in the last seasons to why they haven't really reached that level that's been expected of them. And I think also what people were expected ahead of this season, that would be a difficult season for Barcelona, was mainly because these players couldn't really play that style in the same mm. way. We don't have that core midfield that Barcelona had before that was the, the, the foundation of everything they did. Mm. So it kind of had to change the way Barcelona plays. And that's what Valverde has done. And I think that a few, few coaches would actually dare to go to Barcelona and change how Barcelona plays because it's implanted so deep that Barcelona is supposed to play in a certain way. And mm. this season they have not been playing in that way. And I think that's one of, of the main reasons to why they've actually gone on to, to win the Liga and go unbeaten. It's just because they've realised that we have to play in, in another way. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, then obviously also Lionel Messi has been incredible. I think Messi has been more of a key player for, for Barcelona in, in this season than he maybe have ever been before because before we have had the combination of Messi together with Xavi, with Iniesta, with Busquets and so forth and they've together created this special special thing and, and last season we had Messi, Suarez, Neymar well this season it's been mainly Messi who's, who's been behind these kind of things uh, but that also goes together with how Valverde has, has made his team, team play so I think it's a mix of, of a lot of things but but there's it's definitely a huge importance to, to both Valverde and, and Messi for, mm. for this league title Good points, good points. What, what, what about you, you, and what would be your, your titular, your headline for this Barca team winning La Liga? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. It's, it's got to be Messi's league, and that was even the headline in the market this morning. Two mm -hmm. Liga, your league, with a big picture of Messi. And 
he's got 32 goals and 33 league appearances. I mean, that's just that's just incredible, and that's that's basically why Barcelona won it. I mean, as much as I would have loved for Paulinho to score the winning goal <laughs> so that we could label it Paulinho, I mean, that would have been great. As much as I'd have loved that, of course it was just that it was a messy hat-trick that got Barcelona La Liga. They were going to win it at some point anyway, but it was symbolic, I think, that Messi won the game at the VSR to win the league because he's been on his own at times. I mean, Luis Suarez has had some good months and some not-so-good months. Mm. So it's been so much of a burden placed on Messi to create chances, to finish chances, to do a little bit of everything. And he's delivered. And, um, yeah, I think... We've, it gets a little bit boring to just praise Messi all the time, but mm. I think Alex touched on it there. I mean, this might be one of his best uh, La Liga seasons ever. Mm. Mm. On paper, certainly. Um, and uh, I mean, where do you do? You, do you guys feel that you know? Because despite the fact that Barca is winning its eighth doblete, uh, keeping in mind, of course, that this club's history is runs 119 years or so deep. Uh, still, there's a lot of scrutiny, a lot of criticism being aimed at Valverde in particular. Do you think he's he's being blamed unfairly for, you know, maybe his style of play? Uh, I mean, where where do we rank this doblete in terms of of achievements? When, like I said, only nine months ago, this was supposed to be uh, a disaster of a season. But I think it, it's back to that before that this is a different Barcelona, and I think mm. a lot of people yeah. have a difficult time understanding it. And it's not just a different different Barcelona in terms of the squad, in would terms you, of, of so the coach and how quick, they play. Alex, would you call yeah. it a, a weaker squad as well? Um, that depends on how you watch it. I think mm. the, the teams that in the squad that Barcelona had before has been some of the best I think that's ever been. So, mm. so in that sense, yeah, it's weaker, but it's not a type of football. And I think where it, it goes deeper than just, just the team and just the, the coach and tactics because Barcelona has changed a lot as a football club in the last few years. And it's not at all the same club that it was when Guardiola was, yeah. was there, when, when Laporta was the president and, and so on. And it goes down to the youth academy as well and how they changed the way they do things. Uh, so I think that that's where people are still stuck in the mindset of Barcelona being what Barcelona needs to be. Yeah. But this is a different football club uh, that runs in a different way, do football in a different way. Yeah. And in that sense, they're doing really, really good. And to come into a season where no one expects you to, right. to have any chance, really, of winning the league title, where there is so much going on in the club, there is so much uncertainty. You have players leaving, complaining about stuff. Uh, and then go on to, to dominate the entire season and mm. go unbeaten. I think that that is uh, one of the, the bigger achievements when, than when you go to a club that already is in harmony mm. and, and you just win everything. Mm. Uh, so I definitely think that the Valverde is getting too much uh, blame, and, and that's mainly because people are still expecting that old Barcelona that and old his Barcelona is not that yeah. team. And, yeah. and a coach like Valverde would never play a team like, like Barcelona the old Barcelona fans, or, or how to say, wants their team to play. Mm. Uh, so you just you just have to like change your mindset when looking mm-hmm. at Barcelona this season. I think, and I think that's the the main thing that is is quite difficult for for people to do. Mm. I would agree. I would certainly agree with with, with you, Alex, and and you and I mean, expanding on on what Alex just said and and changing our mindset. I mean, could, shouldn't we be talking about the fact that perhaps Valverde actually overachieved with this squad then? 
Yeah, I think he did. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt this is a weaker squad. That's that's kind of why everybody thought Real Madrid were going to win by like ten points mm. after the Super Cup. I mean, uh, you know, Enes is getting older. Luis Suarez isn't what he was a couple of years ago. You don't have Dani Alves, you don't have Xavi. This is nothing compared to Barcelona squads of the past. Mm. But Messi and I think in particular Ter Stegen and uh, we briefly mentioned him. But I think we need to just praise Ter Stegen because yeah. as much as Messi's been putting the goals in at one end, Ter Stegen has made some crazy saves. Yes. Uh, about 80 saves this La Liga season. Yes. But some of them are very, very high quality because mm. um, a, a lot of the time he's been last man. And, and to be fair, Pique and Titi have been a very good central defensive partnership. But mm-hmm. whenever they have been broken, Ter Stegen has just been, mm. he's just been incredible. And if it wasn't for some guy called Jan Oblak down in Madrid I think we'd be talking about him as, as, as far and away the best goalkeeper in La Liga but mm. in terms of Barcelona goalkeepers the performance from that position has gone up in recent years maybe at the same time as performance in the outfield has, has gone down a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're, you're, you're taking the words out of my mouth there. I, I fully back that uh, assessment of yours. You're another Ter Stegen believer. Ter Stegen, Ter Stegen. yeah, man. I mean, a, absolutely. You get a nickname like the Justin Believer. I have a nickname for Ter Stegen, but but it's in Swedish. It's it's playing on his name that becomes Tegelsen, which means brick. So he's like he makes a brick wall. And he goes, and he can do. He works with like Swedish, but it doesn't really work in English. Well. You, you often so have those have sense. those that work in Swedish, uh, but don't, don't necessarily translate. But yeah, that's. I mean, if we were in Sweden, that would be perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's all to Sweden. Let's all move uh, to Sweden. Although, having said that, I'm 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 happy that uh, what you were saying overshadowed. Uh, I was saying tear saver, but I retract that one uh, immediately. That one is pretty awful. Um, but in terms of Ter Stegen, who else for you, Alex, would be say? I mean, one of the most telling contributions over the season. Uh, we we touched on Paulinho earlier. He, him, of course, being the third top goal scorer of this team, also arrived with a lot of question marks uh, surrounding his uh, fichaje, his his buy for the club. Who besides Ter Stegen was for you the and, and Messi, of course, is is the standout this season? Uh, I think one player that is often forgotten and has always often been forgotten is, is Sergio Busquets. I think last mm. season he had probably his worst season mm. uh, in the first team of Barcelona. Mm. But this season he's come back to, to the Busquets that, that we're used to. And mm. I think one of the reasons why we don't speak about him is because we don't see him. And uh, yeah. that's, uh, that, that's like one of the, the best quotes about defensive midfielders, that if you don't see him, it means that he's doing an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's been, been a key player for Barcelona this season. Mm. Uh, and we also saw when he was out injured against Sevilla, for instance, that the Barcelona struggled and they only got a 2-2 result. Mm. Uh, and I think he's, he's a player that, that is very often is forgotten uh, mm. and the contributions he does. And, and I think he's also been very, very important for, for Messi and, and for him being able to reach that level that he's been this season. Mm. Uh, and then obviously Paulinho, as you, you mentioned as well, uh, coming in as a player that, that people make fun of. How Barcelona mm-hmm. is yeah, yeah, uh, which exactly. was a bit unfair to him, but Absolutely. it wasn't really about him. It was more about how much money sure. the club put him, and, uh, and a player and... That, that people didn't know that much about. But I think he's he's been doing a brilliant season, and 
uh, and especially coming in under those circumstances where, where everyone is already against you. Yeah. Uh, and break through and do the way he's done, I think it's been really, really impressive. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, and what, what, lo que me llama la atención, what uh, rings a bell a little bit, is when, when I ask you guys to name a few of the, the, the other standouts, let's call them, uh, is that neither of you call on uh, one of the 22 million or 222 million fichajes, uh, and I'm talking, of course, about Dembele o Coutinho. Uh, how would you guys rate their overall impact? Of course, Dembele arrived and, and then was injured and then re-injured himself, and uh, Coutinho didn't come until halfway through the season, so he was kind of in, in, in pre-season mode, you could say, in January, and of course, they both needed time to adapt, but uh, still, they they arrived with a, a massive price tag uh, hanging from their heads, and, and, and how would you guys sort of evaluate their overall impact this season? I love that preseason term because hmm. it is like a big preseason because hmm. Dembele, with his injuries, he didn't really get started until about the same time as Coutinho did. And by January, the league was already kind of won. Yeah. Uh, Coutinho couldn't play in Champions League. And, well, to be fair, neither could Dembele because Valverde wouldn't pick him. Um, but basically, the only competition was La Liga, which was already won. Yeah. So this was like a six-month preseason where even if they play terribly, Barcelona's probably still going to win the Liga. Mm. And if they do well, then, then great. So it's like, yeah, this has been like, for me, this has been their season minus one. They've not even really started yet. Next season is, in my view, their first proper season uh, for both players because Dembele should have a full season, hopefully. Yeah. Touch wood for him. He yeah. won't be quite as injured. And uh, Coutinho will be able to play Champions League football and have a full year with Barcelona. So... What they've done just now, anything they've done that's good is a bonus, mm. and we'll see how they do next year. Mm. Mm. Alex? Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's, it's a bit too early uh, to evaluate them and, and what they've done in Barcelona, because as you both say, it's, it's been a bit of a pre-season, and they haven't really got into it yet, and I think there's also an adaption period when you come from a foreign league to La Liga, uh, mm. and we've especially seen that in Barcelona before, uh, even with the best players and, and some of the players who spin best in La Liga, they always need this like six months period at least to, to get into it. So I think it's just yeah. it's too early to, to, to say if they've been good or bad uh, mm. at this point. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, something, another point that, I mean, I heard you bring it up several times now, you and the fact that Barca and, and you as well, Alex, the fact that Barca could go this entire season unbeaten. Of course, at this point, they have been, uh, they have gone the entire season unbeaten. They've won the Liga, uh, therefore unbeaten. Um, it's not something that is really talked about or, or maybe marketed as much here in Spain. That is my personal perception. Uh, you and you being from the UK, of course, the, I mean, the, the one that really comes to mind is, is the Arsenal Invincibles. And in, in, I think it was 2004, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, that tag being put on that team that, that they were, you know, branded in such a way that it was a massive achievement. Uh, it, it kind of made me wonder whether people in Spain care about going unbeaten and if it's really considered as big of an, of an achievement as perhaps you know, Arsenal's achievement back in uh, the early 2000s. What, what do you think, Ewan? Well, I think with Arsenal's one, I think back in 2004, nobody really cared about or thought that the team could go unbeaten either. The 
Arsenal thing has only grown in legend mm. after the fact. Mm. Um, so I think if Barcelona do it this year, then in the future, going mm. unbeaten will start to be talked about in, right. in Spain. Um, even in Scotland last year, Celtic went unbeaten, but before nobody nobody won a league unbeaten even in Scotland. Interesting. So nobody really talked about it. No one really considered it a thing, whereas now this season, the talk has been, can Celtic do it again? So once a team does it once, I think maybe that opens eyes to a country that, okay, it is possible. And I think Barcelona's achievement this year, if they do go unbeaten, will only grow in legend with the passing of time. I mean, in 20 years, I bet there's not another team goes unbeaten for for a full La Liga season and people go, oh my goodness, can you remember that Barcelona team of 17-18? They went unbeaten. Whereas right now, mm. it maybe doesn't seem so special. In time, I think it will, will look really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. I didn't know that. That's, that's very interesting you point that out. Um, Alex, I, I want to move on to a topic I know uh, is, is dear to your heart as well. And uh, before recording, you mentioned that uh, you could talk hours or days on end about the following topic. So, uh, is this the time to get the get the tissues out? Get, ready get for them a, tissues a out. You get those tissues out. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. <laughs> it's gonna get emotional, guys. It's gonna get emotional. We need to talk about the elephant in the room, of course. We haven't mentioned his name yet, but it is Andres Iniesta's. Officially, last season with Barca, um, he's going to move to. Uh, he will move on to China, although the, the final decision hasn't been made yet. Although I think we can all now also discard kind of the the late rumors that came out uh, early or late last week with, with him linking him to 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 City and, and saying that Pep was going to try to convince him. Uh, he did mention that he, in Europe he won't play with another uh, camiseta, right, with another shirt. So. Um, but his uh, talking about his press conference itself of course it was very emotional i think for i think for any football lover you and uh, you have your t- tissues there i think even you got emotional yeah. uh and uh you know he was vis- visibly emocionado he you know, was holding back the tears very emotional the same that we saw him on the bench over and against sevilla in, in the copa del rey final he got substituted um, phrases like you know coming here at, at, at the right ba- or the early age of twelve and being separated from your family is very difficult, but uh, it's it certainly has been worth it. Uh, you know I, he was saying things like I feel very proud and, and at a peace with myself because really the only objective of mine was to triumph at this club and after what was it thirty two titles winning thirty two titles. To say that he has been successful at the club, I think, is an understatement. Um, what What did you guys? I mean, what what kind of legacy does Iniesta leave? If If you guys could give me a kind of a titular, I know Alex, you said you could talk days on end about this, but what what is your big big takeaway when it comes to Iniesta and uh, you know his his legacy at Barça? I think first off, he's probably one of the best football players that's ever played the game and that we will ever see, uh, especially midfielders. But what makes, which makes the next part even more uh, incredible, and it's the fact that he as a person is even better than a footballer. Mm. Uh, and I think the biggest, biggest legacy that that would come from from Andres Iniesta more than just his football is the way he's been as a football player. Um, mm. I've interviewed uh, quite a few. Uh, Spanish footballers and, and especially midfielders and, and they all always 
tend to come to the topic without you even asking them about it, where you start speaking about Andres Iniesta and, and how important he's been for, for their career and, and wow. looking up to him just as a, both as a player but, but also as how he is a, as a professional football player. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest legacy he's going to leave and already have left for, for next generations of, of footballers, but especially Spanish footballers, in, in how to act as a professional player and, and how to be enough to and to be normal, so to speak, which is mm, yeah. the abnormal thing to be as a, as a professional footballer. Uh, and for me, I think that is, is the biggest, biggest, biggest thing that, that Andres Iniesta has left because that makes him so different from all other players, even though he's he's very different as a, as a footballer as well, and he's one of the best that we will ever see, mm. is the fact how he's as a, as a person and how he treats his opponents and, and, and how he's loved by everyone. I don't think there's any... I, I can't come up with any football player that's been as loved by everyone, mm. fans from every single team as Andres Iniesta. It's just, you yeah. can't dislike this guy, even if you're yeah. a Madrid supporter or yeah. an Espanol supporter. Yeah. Y- you will love Andres Iniesta. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And I think that says a lot about him as a a player, but also as a person. And I think that's what makes him so special and the biggest legacy that, that he will be. I would agree. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, the, the, that's beautifully put. And, and I think so. I mean, you only had to see last night the fact that despite realizing that they were going down to Segunda División, um, the entire stadium of uh, Riazor standing up and giving in Andres Iniesta a standing ovation, uh, that in itself says a lot. I mean, their minds would probably be somewhere else uh, and thinking of, of already mentally preparing themselves on, on a very tough year next year, yet they still found it themselves to uh, to give uh, Andres Iniesta, a, 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 of course, much deserved standing ovation. I thought that was uh, 
very fitting and, and, and just a gesture of, of everything that Iniesta embodies and, and also the legacy that he leaves and, and what he, I mean, the kind of, uh, say, values that he also is able to communicate to other people. Um, so, yeah, very well put. And, and, and you and... I mean, judging on how well he's been playing, not only this season, uh, in my opinion, better this season even than under Luis Enrique uh, in, in his final season, is is he making the, the right decision right now to leave? Uh, he still has so much football to give. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, his, his performance level has been, has been great this year. I mean, we didn't really mention him before, but he's, he's not what he was a few years ago, but he's still been playing some really great football, making mm. some just incredible performances to control games. Um, so I think he still has the right level. But what I found interesting from his press conference was yeah. he said he wanted to bow out before he lost too much. And he said in both a physical and a mental sense. And I thought that was quite interesting because at the age of 33, I mean, he can surely still perform to a pretty high level in a physical sense. Hmm. Um, but we don't know about a mental sense. I mean, he's been there for so long. He's hmm. been there for two decades. He's the kind of guy who, who's a player who puts so much brain power into what he does. Hmm. And it's quite interesting. I mean, if you read his uh, sort of biography, his autobiography, I don't know what to call it, the one, the artist, where he sort of, it's not really him saying the whole book, but what he talks about in that book is um, his poor form before the 2010 World Cup was, was mostly a mental thing, a confidence mm-hmm. thing. Mm. Um, and that was also partly the reason he kept getting injured. Injured, yeah. So I think with Iniesta, mm. I think for him having the mental, uh, the optimal mental state is a big part of how he plays. Yeah. And losing a pace, losing you know, losing a step of pace or two, or maybe not being quite as fit, that's one thing. But if he can't perform mentally, then I think he he maybe realizes the end or the drop off in performances maybe a bit closer than we think. Mm. And I mean. So many people's right things saying, and yes, you can't go, you're still so good, you still be great at another two years at this level. And mm. I think we have to give the guy credit and say, Do you know what? The guy who knows the most about how much Iniesta has left in the tank is probably Iniesta. So if he thinks it's time to, you know, leave before uh, a decline, then, you know, let him leave and, and he'll go out on a high with a double and, and it's, it's completely fitting. And yeah, just to sum up what Alex said, I mean, not just a world-class player, but a world-class person as well. And, yeah, just one of the best. Yeah. I, I, and I also, yeah. if I can just go on from, from what you and take up with his book, sure. I think that that's it, that is a book that anyone who's interested in football or any football player or just wants to understand these professionals should read. Because uh, it's a very interesting book. And it's also one of those things that, that I love with Inyo says, that how honest he is and how open he is. Uh, which is very different from, from many players, I think, as well. And because in this book, even as you say, it's, it's not just basically him who, who's speaking. He, he gets a lot of different people to speak about him as well. But what he reveals in this book is basically that in, in 2000, ahead of the 2010 World Cup, that he went through uh, a depression, more or less, even if he doesn't use yeah. that word. Yeah. And I think that, that if you go back to the, to the mental state, that's... Um, it's a bit of a taboo subject to speak about in, in, in sports and about athletes. It's a psychological thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredible, which is really, really important. Um, and reading his book, I think you get to understand that even more. And, uh, and he also says at some point that, that he got angry at himself because he, was, he wasn't feeling well, but he couldn't understand why he wasn't feeling well because 
he was on the top of the world. He was at Barcelona. He had just won the Champions League. Yeah. He was one of the best players in the world. He had everything. And then he goes goes around and, and just can't like understand why he, he's feeling bad every day, yeah. which also led to all the injuries. But I think those things is also something that he leaves behind in his legacy that that is very, very important for sports. It's just that a player at that level uh, can go out and speak about those things and, and tell but it's it's just it can be really, really difficult and, and mental. And I think that it is very, very important for me to understand that that it's not those paths and and stuff like that. So I think that's also a very good thing. Yeah, yeah, good point. I I I didn't read uh, the book you guys were talking about. What what's the title of the book? English. It's uh, Andres Iniesta's artist. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what's in Spanish. Yeah, I think it's as well in yeah. Spanish. Okay. Um, but yeah, just last year, and um, yeah, really interesting read about not him, but about being a football at Barcelona. And yeah, I mean, quite interesting about yeah, and it's also quite interesting about the other people in it, like for instance Victor Valdez and, and other players, and yeah, because they they also give away more than than I think they've given away before about their own states of mind and there's also a good chapter about Boyan and Iniesta who, who had a, a very interesting uh, connection there in 2009 going through mental problems both of them and, and how they oh. dealt with it with each other interesting so, so I think it's, it's, it's worth a read for, for anyone yeah I'm, I'm certainly going to check that out for anybody listening um, and, and what I wanted to bring up uh, for those who didn't read the book and, and, and maybe want to have instant access to kind of the, the mental state uh, that both Ian and Alex were uh, referring to of Andres Iniesta just prior to the uh, uh, 2010 World Cup um, the and you guys will know this the Informe Robinson which is I mean it is Spanish but it might be out there on YouTube with with English subtitles but there's a great Informe Robinson just to give a quick uh, uh, breakdown of what it is it's a, a great show on on uh, a Spanish TV channel here where they give weekly sport reports uh, kind of mini documentaries a little bit like the 30 for 30 of, of ESPN uh, and I think this one in particular was called Campeones del Mundo so World Cup Champions. Uh, and that one, I don't know if you guys saw that, but that one as well, when it starts, it starts straight away with the, as you guys say, quote unquote, depression that Iniesta was suffering at the time before or leading into the World Cup. Uh, so much so because of his injuries, uh, so much so that it, it, he was even thinking, he was contemplating of not uh, going to the World Cup. So, you know, imagine that uh, if he had decided to, to pull the trigger, pull the plug, uh, mejor dicho, and decide not to go to the World Cup because of his injuries and because of his mental state at the time, which was uh, on, on a massive down. Yeah, it would have been uh, a very different World Cup, yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. And I think if you if you would end up reading the book, you will understand even more how much that the goal in the World Cup final meant for him because he was going through difficult times during the World Cup as well. He had injuries there as well. Uh, and I think it was a few matches before the final where he like realized that the, that problems, injury problems were gone. Mm. And then 
uh, he became another Iniesta and, and then with that goal it, he says that when he scored that goal it was like he was coming out of the darkness yeah. so it becomes much more than just a, a football goal and much more than just a World Cup winning goal because it became a psychological <clears throat> very important goal for him and have you ever seen a World Cup winning goal where the guy just scores the most important goal of his career of maybe his country's football history yeah. and the first thing he does is dedicated to his friend, like Danny Harkey. Like, I can't think of any other World Cup yeah. winning goal where someone has has pulled off a tribute like that. I mean, uh, that's maybe what makes him special. And, yeah, basically, I think that's a good way to sort of sum up what we're talking about is, yeah. you know, he's the kind of player who has the talent to score a World Cup winning goal, but who also has the, the good character and human spirit to make it about more than just football. And, yeah, that's, that's an ESA. Joder, tío. You and me, me, das, me estás dando piel de gallina, tío, de verdad. Like, uh, you're giving me... Pass me, pass me a tissue. Pass me a tissue. Please. I think, uh, I think before, before we leave the topic of things, I also want to take an anecdote that a bit more on a fun note than, than on, on this emotional path we've been on. Uh, and it, it's also from his book, which is great. It's from, from a chapter where Victor Valdez tells his stories of Iniesta. And he says that when they won the league title against Levante, which was the first league title that, that both Iniesta and, and Valdez won with Barcelona, mm. they were on the bus. And Victor asks Iniesta, what do you want to win now? You and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, what do we want to win? How many titles do we want, Andres? And Andres answers... Uh, I want six league titles and three European Cups. <laughs> six because, because Guardiola, who he was a big fan of, had won six titles and three European trophies to match Madrid since 1998. Mm. And when Victor Valdez left Barcelona, because this was how many titles they were going to win together. So when Victor Valdez left Barcelona, they had won six league titles mm. and three European Cups. Wow. And then now, yes, that has obviously gone beyond that and yeah. won nine titles, four European Cups. Uh, and... Valdez says here as well that Andres by contrast has gone well beyond the original promise when we set the target. It was almost unthinkable. When you look back at it now, I get ghost bumps. And that's pretty interesting, I think, as well. It's when they won that first league title, Barcelona were coming from a very difficult path. So I think imagining that he would actually win six league titles in three European Cups were... That, that was just like an unthinkable goal they put up and then he ends up winning 90 titles and 40 pickups and I think that's quite quite incredible anecdote incredible incredible great great anecdote and, and like you said a, a nice to end it on an upbeat uh, anecdote for that and and I'm looking at the clock it's just hit 35 minutes so um to talk about, I do want to talk about quickly some other talking points because a lot's been happening, of course, in and around La Liga. Uh, so maybe we can just do a, a little bit of a fire round to uh, finish this uh, special edition of uh, the La Liga Lowdowns uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, where it. We tribute, of course, the Barca's champions and Andres Iniesta. But I want to talk about um, what's going on over in Sevilla. I want to bring up this point because it's algo que... A mí me llama la atención, as I mentioned earlier, something that really um, sparked my my attention, particularly because Sevilla yesterday announced their new mister, the new head coach in uh, Caparros, when uh, not long ago they said that they were going to stick with uh, Montella. And of course, Sevilla on Saturday defeated uh, Levante 3-1. Oscar Araiz has also left, so... 
I guess my question to you guys is, uh, what's what's going on over at Sevilla? I mean, they, they've showed that they, they, when it comes to say uh, uh, their their people skills, they're not maybe the best. Uh, we we spoke quickly be off air about uh, how they uh, let go of Berizzo uh, when he came back from uh, was it was it a, a colon cancer, a testicular cancer, and 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 he came back and they basically said, well, we're happy you made a recovery, but uh, that's the end of the line for you, my friend, and uh, good luck to you. And now they're doing the same or similar with Montella. So I, I guess uh, uh, you and if you want to take this, what what's going on? What is going on over in in Sevilla or or Alex? Either of you. One more, Diego, and it's karma. It's karma. You mm. mentioned it there, the cancer thing. I mean, when they sacked him, he still had cancer. Right. And it was three days before Christmas. Mm. So this is footballing uh, karma that's going on. Um, if we get into it and work out what's actually going on, I think this is maybe a bit of the after effects of Monchi going away. And, mm. and did you know, right, here's a here's a stat. Of elite, obviously, he has top 11 most used players this season. Only two of them are new signings from this this year, and those two players are Ever Benega and Jesus Navas, former players. So the guys they brought in, uh, Luis Muriel, uh, Sebastian Fortia, Sandro Ramirez, Rocky Mesa, they've all been so disappointing, they've hardly been trusted to play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the sporting director, Oscar Arias, has had to go. Uh, partly that, partly two coaching appointments, which haven't really worked out. And it's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big mess. I don't know, Alex, what do you make of it? I, I, I think this is karma, but there's maybe more to it than, than that. Um, I think it's really surprising because, yeah, sure, Munchi left, but what we have to remember is that he was just one guy in, in a very big uh, big working uh, environment. And I think there, and where Oscar Arias actually was a really, really key figure, he was Munchi's right-hand man. Mm. So it felt like they were doing like the best thing they possibly could when they put him in. Uh, instead of his place, mm. and and it's kept like pretty much the same people. I think there was like three or two people that left. But Monchi basically said he didn't want to bring anyone to Roma because he wanted Sevilla yeah. to continue working the way they were. Yeah. So for me, it's been been really really surprising the way it's gone. Mm. Uh, and also the thing we're on with with how they have been handling these situations is also quite strange because in the last couple of years, Sevilla has been praised because of how well they treat their players, their staff. And, and players have come, come out and said that they've never been at a club before where they've been taken care of as persons in the way they have in, at Sevilla, which has also been like the key factor to why these players who other clubs haven't performed have come to Sevilla and performed because they've come to, to the lengths to, to care about more than the footballer, but also the person. And therefore, for me, everything that's happening to the end of the season is such a big surprise. Mm. It felt like, that, sure, Monchi was leaving and he was a key figure and he was super important. Arias leaving is is uh, will be a huge blow, and and we'll see how uh, how Sevilla will cope with uh, the loss of their their sporting director. Um, in, in terms of uh, Alex, you being up north, uh, I need to ask you just quickly about, of course, Deportivo being relegated. Uh, it, it's something that we saw coming um, throughout the season. I think, I mean. It's always tough to say that they are deserved, uh, you know, to, to to go down to Segunda because for any fan base, it's it's a very tough blow. But but uh, uh, you know, wh- where does it? Li- why hasn't it worked? I mean, it hasn't worked with Seydorf. Uh, did they make the changes too late? What, what, what in your opinion, is uh, has been going on with Deportivo? As always, I think it's a it's a mixture of a lot of things. But it's, I think they did uh, do changes way too late. 
but if we look at Depor over overall this season, it's, I think it's been a lot of lack of uh, of mentality from the players. It's just not in not until these last couple of games there has basically not been any any will any any try any fighting spirit from the team mm. uh, whatsoever. It's it's a team that let in the most goals uh, mm. in La Liga, I think so, mm. uh, which is an insane number of goals mm. and there's just been no defence there's been nothing working and I think it's it's been a team that's lacked team overall, all overall, overall so it's like if you're a, a team like Depor that maybe not have the same resources as Barcelona or Real Madrid uh, that haven't the same type of squad players you really need to have a tight group and, and they haven't had that at all and, and you see them every match they they drop it and, and there's no fighting spirit and no will and I think that's if we're going to find out something, I think that would be, be the main thing. And, and then also their horrible defence. And, and they have incredible attackers, but they haven't done anything really this season. Uh, I thought this would be an interesting season with Depor to see Lucas Perez and Antoni Florin yeah. together. But, but there hasn't really been anything. Are they going to be either, broken so. up, you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, these are players that, that I think in, 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 are really too good to play in Segunda. Uh, especially those two I just mentioned. I, so I think there's going to be a lot of players that will leave Depor because uh, they are too good for, for that level, simply. I agree, I agree. Moving uh, over to the nation's capital, Ewan. Uh, of course, a, a lot of rotations for Madrid over the weekend uh, in, in their um, win over Leganes, uh, keeping an eye, of course, on the, the important Champions League mm -hmm. clash. Uh, Gareth Bill on the score sheet, is there... Uh, any any say any light on his future? There's been a lot of talk about it. Are they gonna cash in on him over the summer? What do you think? Yeah, he was even asked about that last week when he was in Munich, and he, he said he wouldn't rule out he wouldn't rule out joining Hammers at Bayern Munich, which I thought was interesting because mm. of all the potential landing spots we hear for Bale, which usually Tottenham or Manchester United. Never heard of Bayern Munich before, um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just because of where he was asked the question. Um, I think with Bale, it's going to depend on, on who Real Madrid can actually bring in. I mean, if they can't get Neymar till the next summer, then, mm. then why not keep him another year? Um, but yeah, good for him. Another goal, I think that's 15 now uh, this year, which is which is pretty good. Um, and yeah, a very rotated Real Madrid team. Uh, Legnes played quite well against them and created a lot of good chances. Um, but Real Madrid got the job done. It was a very similar job for Atletico Madrid. Again, yeah. lots of... Uh, players rested, Griezmann and Saul didn't even go with the squad. Mm. Um, Jan Black didn't go either. He had a, a very slight <laughs> injury niggle. And yeah, they're rotating ahead of the Arsenal game. And yeah, so very narrow wins for the two big Madrid teams. But, you know, that's perfect for them. They, they get another three points in La Liga and they should be extra fresh for the matches which, which really matter to their seasons, which is um, the Champions League and the Europa League. And... Um, yeah, we'll see how they do on Tuesday and Thursday. We'll see, we'll see. You, you mentioned the Europa League there, and, and on that note, uh, I quickly want to get your, 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 your final takes as well on uh, what is still the debate now that the three teams that have been, you know, that are going to be relegated has been decided. The champion, of course, has been decided. Champions League sp uh, spots have been decided. But the Europa League spots haven't yet. Uh, Real Sociedad beating uh, 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 their, their neighbors, their Basque uh, neighbors in, in Bilbao over the weekend, 3-1. Uh, 
they could still make it for Europa League, right? Uh, we obviously had Getafe Girona as well. Uh, that Europa League race is, is still quite heated. What do you think, uh, Alex, who will make the final European League spots? Well, I think it's, uh, as you say, it's the battle we have left and it's uh, it's quite difficult to say. I, I do think that Villarreal is going to take one of those spots uh, and then it's the, the last one we're speaking of and it's, it's difficult. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Sevilla is going to end up taking it anyway. Oh. Uh, but I think Huitafe has, has Huitafe, really impressed yeah, the season and that definitely. will be incredible to see them take it. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know who I, they have to play, Huitafe? They have three games left, one of them against Las Palmas, one of them against Malaga, and one of them against Atletico Madrid at home, potentially before a Europa League final. So, um, in terms of the run-ins, I'm pretty confident if I'm a Dappy fan. Um, Yeah, I mean, three matches left, you get to two of the already relegated teams. Yeah, good point. It's good. Hashtag Heta, Euro Heta, they're back. Wow. So, what is that? Is that Bia Real and Getafe for you, Ewan? I think it's Atafi. I think, well, they're in seventh spot just now, I think, and uh, I think they have the best running of all the teams that are still in with a chance. So, um, over to you, Atafi, to, to prove me wrong. Mm. I just have to point out one thing on Atafi that I think we have to, to mention is the fact that once, like last season, they were, when Borlales took over Atafi, they were lost in Segunda. They weren't even in, in the relegation, they were lost in Segunda when he took over. He won them direct promotion, and yeah. now they're up yeah, yeah. on the way to Europe. And that, yeah. I think that's just incredible, and it's incredible. a feat that's been talked about way too little. Yeah, yeah. Well, both in, in Getafe and Girona's case, I would say, but but absolutely well, well spotted, well pointed out there, Alex. Yeah. All righty, guys. Uh, clock marks 47 minutes. So, uh, David, I'm going to send this over We've to you. We've had two minutes of stoppage time, <laughs> and I think it's time to get into the half-time break. That's it. we gotta, uh, we got to bring it home. Uh, guys, this has been really enjoyable. I enjoy talking to you guys, and, and I hope for the listeners, too, for this special, this special edition uh, La Liga Lowdown podcast, the extended version, we can call it. Um, for all of you listen of, listening, of course, make sure you check out our YouTube channel as well. Just uh, look for La Liga Lowdown or uh, uh, just in the browser, put youtube.com forward slash C forward slash La Liga Lowdown and uh, check with all of our video content on that and there, on there as well. This week, of course, we will have all new content coming your way from, you know, 60-second standoff, partidazo predictions, etc., etc., etc. So subscribe, hit that notifications button so you don't miss out on that. Uh, from here, from Barcelona, uh, thank you again. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ewan. And I uh, wish the both of you a wonderful week. Cheers, Diego. Till next time. Adios. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.